Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a 36-year-old single mum with two young girls and I work full-time. More recently, the loneliness has started to affect me. The absence of that social interaction with other adults is starting to really become an issue, um, particularly around the Christmas period. Uh, I've not seen my parents since March and I won't be seeing them until the new year. And the reality of the fact that it's just going to be me and my two young children for a lot of the festive period is very, very daunting. Um, And I'm really worried that it's going to have even more of an impact on mental health than it already has. Coming up in today's episode, disability advocate Shani Dander chats to us about the realities of isolation as a shielder. I had to get used to my own company at a really young age because I had spent so much time in hospital. That was enough for me to experience loneliness, to experience the fact that I would be on my own a lot. Francesca Spector shares some practical ways you can embrace being alone. You can have quality time with yourself. A date with yourself is a date, you know, that's a valid plan that you can have in your diary. Plus, we hear from our brilliant listeners. Although I lived on my own for several years, I've never felt lonely or loneliness uh, until this year. Not having that connection and conversation with people can get you down. And I haven't felt as um, lonely as I have in the last few months um, and appreciating really what I had and taking for granted. That loneliness of being on your own is quite difficult to manage Even though you have conversations with friends or family on the phone or on Zoom or you have meetings with your colleagues or clients, it's not the same as having face-to-face interaction and that kind of engagement. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Am I Making You Uncomfortable? It's our last episode of 2020 and I can't quite believe we've made it here but we have. Hurrah! Um, Today we're going to be discussing loneliness and isolation and somewhat ironically I am hosting this episode without Brogan because she couldn't be here today. Uh, So I'm having a bit of a Bridget Jones moment. I'm all by myself. Sadly I do not have wine but bear with me anyway. I hope it's going to be a good one. We wanted to end the year with this topic because 2020 has been the year of isolation really for all of us and for many people it's been a year of loneliness as well. I personally am terrible at being content in my own company. I'm awful at it. I'm like a needy puppy. I have never been to the cinema by myself. I've never been for dinner alone. If my boyfriend goes away for the weekend, kind of instinctively I'll invite some mates around to keep me company. The idea of me time it's just something that I'm really bad at. And 
I'm very aware that I'm very fortunate because before this year, despite all that, I've never really experienced loneliness before. I've had easy access to a lot of people who live nearby. But like a lot of people, I have had a very small insight into what loneliness feels like this year. And it's really bloody horrible. (laughs) I think, you know, we shouldn't soften that at all. I don't think that I will ever forget that real gut-wrenching need to see my mum and my sister that I felt in uh, the peak of the first wave of the pandemic in spring. And I burst into tears the first time I saw my best mate in a car park after months. And I think that just shows how intense that very brief period of loneliness was. I know for a lot of people, that won't be a new feeling as well, particularly people my age. When we were researching this episode, we found a survey conducted by YouGov last year where 30% of millennials said they always or often feel lonely. And that stat was higher than among people who are Gen Z or baby boomers, which surprised me actually to find that out. Loneliness isn't something that can easily be banished. I think we should say that from the start. But I do think talking about it is really important, especially among younger people, just for normalising it and saying that if you have felt lonely this year or before, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not your fault. It's not because you've done something wrong. You know, a lot of people will relate. Because of all that, I'm really excited to be joined by our guest today. Our first guest has been shielding for most of the year and she's going to be telling us how she deals with being isolated. And our second guest will be talking about embracing alone time and, dare I say it, even enjoying it. I'm really looking forward to speaking with both of them. You're listening to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? And the hashtag is AIMYU. Going into lockdown, whether that's lockdown one or two, with a child on the autism spectrum has been really quite difficult and definitely isolating um, for everybody involved um, because, first of all, he doesn't really understand what's going on. So all of the things that are usually his comfort, like family members or places that he likes to go to, are suddenly not accessible and he doesn't really understand why. And there aren't people that can support us as they normally would. And it's definitely felt very difficult. It's resulted in a lot of anxiety for my son and for myself. Today, we are joined by disability advocate Shani Dunder, who was recently named on the BBC list of 100 inspirational and influential women in 2020. Due to the pandemic, Shani has been forced to isolate since early March. Today, she talks about her experience of being isolated from a young age and how she's dealt with shielding this year. Shani, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So this year would have been very difficult for a lot of people, particularly if they're living alone. But I know that you were actually shielding before the official lockdown period started in March. Yeah. How did that shielding come about and how has this year been for you? So I decided to shield earlier than when we went into lockdown and that's because I was born with a rare genetic condition and I have a lower immune system, I have a reduced lung capacity and although early March we didn't really have 
all of the information, mm. I could just see that, you know, I needed to do what I could do to protect myself from the unknown really at that point. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't go out between like March to the end of August. Um, I was very fortunate in that I had loads of support around me. I didn't have to ever go out to the supermarket, but I still contracted COVID sitting at home somehow. So every month um, I get a couple of days where I'm just not able to do much at all. I have to cancel everything, including work, you know, plans. So it's not ideal, but you know what? I just, I want to see the positive side in it. You know, it could have been so much worse. I, I consider myself to be very fortunate. Wow, that's such a positive way of, of looking at it, especially if you're still having potential long COVID um, symptoms after it. How was it just being alone or away from your main social network for so long? I guess I, I sort of drew upon the fact that as a as a child, I had to get used to my own company um, at a really young age because I had spent so much time in hospital. That was enough for me to experience loneliness, to experience the fact that I would be on my own a lot, whether that was in a hospital, um, you know, or at home because my parents were or have always worked they've um juggled lots of other things in addition to managing and looking after me and my siblings so in on one hand having that experience kind of set me up for lockdown and yeah. I think put me in the mentality that oh I've dealt with this before I can deal with this again so we we know that there's also research that a lot of adults don't simply don't speak to disabled people you know there's some shocking research about that can you tell me about how your experience of that and how people interact with you yeah so research by the charity scope has has found that two-thirds of of British people um, have actively avoided a conversation with a disabled person and that's mainly due to fear of not um, wanting to offend them or just being fearful around disability. And I think it's a real shame because mm. in the UK, there are 14.1 million disabled people. That's a whole community that are being further socially isolated because of the rest of society's perception and fear. And yeah. I just think it's so sad. So for me, how that has sort of played out is well, I've had all sorts of um interactions but some people talk to me like really loudly and really slowly as if I might have hearing loss it's really odd because you know when you meet me you can tell I have a visible condition but I can clearly articulate myself and hear and again like I totally get it's people wanting to to try but it's just such a cringeworthy like experience but those are a lot of my interactions mm. and I think that's sad too like why is that and I, I really think it's just because of the negative perception and unfortunately the lack of accurate portrayal that we have of disabled people yeah, and their lives mm -hmm. you know again there's really shocking figures about actually how many disabled people are on our screens that are in adverts and it's 0.06 percent of, of disabled people that have been featured in adverts so when we only ever see extreme representation no wonder people are going to be like that a lot of us associate loneliness I think with physically being alone but one of the things we want to talk about in this episode is actually you can feel lonely sometimes when you're surrounded by people or you know if there's people who just don't get your situation loads of different circumstances have you ever felt like that 
Oh, 100%. And I completely agree. I think there's a big difference in being alone and loneliness. You could be surrounded by people and still feel lonely. I think it's that sense of, um, you know, feeling like you belong or feeling that you're wanted or feeling that you can connect with others or that they can connect with you and your experiences. So I've definitely felt loneliness and it's been through many different stages of my life. Um, and, and I guess just to bring that to life. So I, I'm a South Asian woman and I experienced disability. So growing up in, in my community and um, in my family, there was no one else that could ever relate to that experience. Although, you know, people try and empathize and, and do their best to understand, it, it's just not the same. Mm. You, you'll never understand it unless you actually go through it. That brings about um, a feeling of, a feeling of loneliness. But I think I think loneliness presents itself or has presented itself with me and throughout my life for lots of different reasons, not just because I have or experience disability. And I think it's quite, you know, the average thing for for many people to experience it from now and then in different situations. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying it's, it's just because of my condition I felt that. Um, you know, I felt it in friendship circles, family things. It's I think it's quite a, an average thing that people experience. Can you tell me some of the best coping strategies for loneliness that you've developed yourself that might help other people? It's great to know the things that you enjoy, but being open-minded as well to trying new things and trying your hand at different things as well. But I think it really comes down to being comfortable within your own company, whatever that means for you. I think it's really easy to become quite angry at a situation, especially one that you have no control over. And I think especially when you have a condition or you experience disability, there are always feelings of anger there. Anger that your body isn't allowing you to do what it wants to do. Anger that you live in a world that just isn't accessible. Anger that products and services aren't designed in an accessible way. So really, if I wanted to be, I could be angry 24-7. But I just see that, you know, anger as being a bit of a waste of energy. Like I would always say channel that energy into something else, into something productive, into something that's going to make you happy. Like, don't get me wrong. You have to acknowledge your feelings of anger. You have to process that. But I think I'm, I've always been a person to like not dwell on the negative stuff. If you are in an environment where you're feeling isolated, do you have any advice for meeting other people? Like, how have you gone about that? Yeah. Um, I was actually looking for other like-minded South Asian women um, to me and to connect with because it's really hard being a South Asian woman, you know, um, in Britain today, if I'm, if I'm really honest. And I don't think anybody ever speaks about the conflict that you feel, that you're British, but the country doesn't really always see you as a British person. And then when I go back to India, they don't see me as Indian. They see me as British. But the thing is, is I'm all of that and more, but I don't always feel that I belong because the spaces aren't catered to understanding being a person of dual heritage or someone from an ethnic minority. And I was looking for other sort of like-minded Asian women. And the only events that I could find were for Asian women to book their weddings and to buy saris. So I thought, okay, what am I going to do about this? Um, And then I actually created my own community. So I 
created the Asian Woman Festival and I didn't know it would turn out to be what it has, which is a global community of over 25,000 women. So I think finding like-minded people, finding a community is really important. And, you know, if you can't find it, then if you have the energy and the willpower and the resource, maybe create it. And with the technology that we have now and how easy it is to connect online I don't think you know it's that difficult these days either yeah definitely the internet has been an absolute game changer and it's it's so cool to hear that you've just created this massive thing that's it's huge (laughs) (laughs) with all the barriers that already face disabled people can you tell us what are some of the things that we can all do to actively help prevent that isolation that we've talked about today so the first tip that I want to share is when someone has a condition or an impairment, whether it's temporary or permanent, it's really annoying when people say, I'll oh, get well soon, especially if you've got a condition that's not going to change or actually it might get worse. But I know that people are saying it because they don't know what else to say. And they're saying it because they are trying to be there for me. But what that actually does is just remind me that it's not going to get better. Um, So what I would say is if you're someone that you want to check in on people, you can send a text message, say, hey, I'm thinking of you. No need to respond. You know, hope you're all right. I think it's really important to not put that pressure on people because, you know, we're going through a tough time. And especially when for those people that live with conditions and impairments, like this is reality for a lot of the time. And I think on one hand, COVID has been a bit of a leveler for people to understand and maybe be more empathetic to people that live you know, almost like in lockdown as a day-to-day thing anyway. Mm. Um, but then on the other hand, that already live um, with inequalities, it's, it's only really intensified those inequalities. So that's the first thing I'd say. I'd say care packages are amazing. Send your friends and family things in the post. They're always appreciated. And there's so many things online now that people are really interested in doing, like quizzes, You can even go to museums and galleries online now. So I think there's so many different ways that you can carry that forward, even when we're out of lockdown, to include your friends or family members that might have conditions and impairments. I am really hopeful that the pandemic has made us all a little bit more compassionate, perhaps, especially when it comes to isolation and loneliness. What do you hope the legacy of this year will be? I think... Now, everyone has experienced some sort of disablement and it might not be because they have a condition or an impairment, but it might be barriers and restrictions in society. That is an experience of disability. So I think from that level, people will be able to empathise because I think normally when we speak about you know disability, it's a very them and us, but we know that that's not the case. It affects one in five people in the UK. So that's one thing. I think another thing that I've really loved seeing over lockdown was how communities have stepped up to look out for each other and especially look after those who are vulnerable within their communities from offering to get each other shopping, looking in on their elderly or you know, vulnerable uh, community members to, you know, the food banks. I just think that community spirit is something I, I really hope that lives on. I agree. I have everything crossed for that. If there's one good thing that can come out of this, it's it's definitely that. Um, absolutely. You've been absolutely great to talk to. But before we let you go, we do have one final question that we put to all of our podcast guests. And that is, what makes you uncomfortable? Not being prepared. <laughs> 
is that because this question was a surprise <laughs> yeah like I think what makes me cool, like I'm the person I love facts I love figures so if I go into something not not being prepared I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable because I'm like I hope my stats and figures are right because I haven't checked them that's my answer I'm, I'm sorry for springing it on you no yeah. no that's fine <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm the same I'm awful at being spontaneous I really am love a plan Anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. You've given us loads to think about. I really appreciate all your honesty around all of this and all of your tips as well. I think they'll hopefully help a lot of people listening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You can follow Shani and find out more information about the Asian Women Festival on Twitter and Instagram at Shani Danda, which is S-H-A-N-I-D-H-A-N-D-A. As a mum of three children under four, there have definitely been some very lonely times this year. The days do feel long sometimes, and um, when you're just talking to toddlers, um, it can be a lonely time. But then I've also been kind of juggling that with, you know, a real craving for some solitude. Um, I get followed everywhere, whether it's the toilet, the shower, you know, while I'm shoving biscuits in my face in the kitchen in the corner. So I got better as the year went on at, you know, saying to my husband, I'm just going to go for a walk for 20 minutes. Um, I'll be back. I think that made me a better, happier mum. We're told that human beings are social animals and that we need connection. But if you're alone, whether it's by choice or due to circumstance, how can you embrace being by yourself? Two years ago, Francesca Spector found herself newly single and living by herself. She decided to embrace being alone and coined the word alonement. So welcome, Francesca. Thank you so much for joining us today. So I love the concept of alonement, but for anyone who hasn't checked out your podcast or your newsletter yet, can you explain what on earth is it? What is this magical word? So the easiest way to see alonement or to understand it is to think of a spectrum and to think about loneliness on one end of that. And alonement is simply the opposite to loneliness. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's when being alone is a positive experience and something that you benefit from. And it's something that I needed to sort of coin for myself because I used to hate being alone. Yeah, I was saying in the intro about how I'm terrible at being alone. I suck at me time and alone time completely. Can you give some tips for someone like me who is absolutely pants at it? How do I get to this glorious state of alonement? How would I even do that? So the first thing to acknowledge is that it's normal and it is something you can work on. Absolutely. It's not a natural state that's sort of predestined at birth. Um, it starts with baby steps. So everyone has a different level of fear around being alone, but I personally wasn't even able to spend an evening alone. So it started off with just pre-planning time to be alone during weeknights and saying, you know, I'm not going to jump at every single plan, every single friend of a friend who wants to do something. Beyond that, it was saying, okay, uh, during the weekend when I have my time off work you know I'm not going to spend the whole time with other people if I'd set aside time to be alone that meant I had to sort of do something valuable to fill it um so I think that 
level of forward planning is really important. Um, and my big revelation when it came to learning to enjoy time alone was that you can have quality time with yourself. A date with yourself is a date, you know, that's a valid plan that you can mm -hmm. have in your diary. And beyond that, you know, I, I think I would go to cafes alone or I'd go for uh, breakfast alone on a Saturday morning. So being proactive, it, it sounds, is the main thing, just not expecting to suddenly be happy by yourself, just actually planning, putting things in the diary. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. I love that. Yes. Uh, those sorts of skills and that sort of sense of scheduling that we're very used to doing in a social scenario, bringing that into your alone time is really important. Sometimes I don't make the best of my alone time. And I think it's addressing that and thinking, why am I struggling to spend time alone today? Is that because I've got certain feelings I'm trying to avoid and I'm trying to escape them by being on WhatsApp all night or going out drinking with friends, you know, and, and, and being like, look, I need to get around the whole processing my feelings alone thing. That That is the entry ticket to enjoying that time alone. It's the entry ticket to alonement. When you got used to alone time and even started enjoying it, what, what benefits did that bring you in the rest of your life or in how you felt about yourself? Can you tell us about some of the plus points? Because I think it might inspire people, you know, to, to aim for the for the alonement state of being. You know what, Rachel, I think you're right because no one really told me how I would benefit from alone time when I started out. Um, and I, you know, I did it as a New Year's resolution, but it, it was sort of a leap of faith. I don't think I was exactly converted to how much it can benefit you back then, but it snowballed into something with so much benefit from my life. I became calmer. I became more confident. My self-esteem absolutely soared and, you know, it benefited me on a professional level because I was then able to, to spend that time journaling to sort of work out what I wanted, you know, on a on a day-to-day -day level. An, in, an interesting point, which I didn't expect actually, is I found myself more able to give to other people because I had fulfilled my own needs. For instance, a really, really random example, but, you know, say you've got a real craving for, um, I don't know, a particular kind of Chinese noodles. And, you know, I'm going to take myself out for a solo lunch at the weekend. Um, and so you know, that means when you're in company, you aren't trying to push your agenda on other people. And there is something to be said for fulfilling your own needs and then being able to then give back so much more and compromise so much more when you're with other people. Yeah, that totally makes sense. You mentioned there going for lunch by yourself, which is something I'm not great at. I've done the odd lunch by myself, but the idea of going to a formal restaurant and having dinner by myself scares me a little bit. That's an embarrassing thing to say as a 29-year-old woman. Why am I so afraid of this? I don't know. Did you also feel uncomfortable when you started doing things alone? Can you tell us a bit about that and how you push yourself through that initial awkwardness? you know, the first thing to say, it's not embarrassing at all to not be able to go to a restaurant by yourself. How how normalized is that in society? Not very yet. But the way to get around that is by, you know, hopefully doing it enough times that you have a positive experience you want to return to. And I 
thought that dinner was almost the final frontier and especially going to a fancy restaurant. So the first time Mm. that I did that, I was on holiday in Berlin and I said, look, I'm going to push the boat out, go to this, you know, Italian restaurant. As I was walking in, I felt nervous, but God, about 10 minutes into that, I had such a positive experience. One thing I did do that I would recommend is that I did take a prop and that can be a newspaper or a book or a Kindle. You will feel a bit more relaxed knowing there's something there, even if you don't look at it. Um, So that did help Mm. ease me in. But having dinner alone is another amazing experience for totally different reasons. It's beautifully immersive. You notice the kindness of the waiting staff, the deliciousness of the food, the atmosphere of the restaurants, the people around you. You notice all of that. And once you have that, once you've been able to enjoy that, despite the discomfort and the apprehension, then you will go back to that. Once you've gotten to a state where you're happy spending time alone, does that mean you'll never feel lonely again? No, hell no. Um, it does not immunize you from loneliness, especially at a time like this. You know, it's a period of time which is not normal. We're not used to it. It is too much alone time. It's not in moderation. Um, and I think alonement is something that um, I certainly experienced before the pandemic from a standpoint of having a very socially connected life, going into an office every day, having lunch with colleagues every day and seeing friends a few nights a week. And I think that, of course, during a pandemic, when you're not able to have you know physical face-to-face contact with a lot of your friends um, and family, then there will be that gap. That loneliness will exist. Um, and without that balance, my, my solitude almost lacks flavor because I've overdosed on it, as have all of us, um, unless we're living in a very packed house during lockdown. And then that's, I mean, that that comes with its own problems. Um, Yeah, it's definitely been really hard for people in loads of different situations. Mm. I know that you started this journey personally after a relationship ended. Can you tell me about some of the assumptions that people make about relationships versus singledom when it comes to loneliness? The very prevalent notion that our romantic relationships should be the central ones of our life, that affects couples, I think. And it can put them in a lonely place because they can stop seeking out company outside of the relationship and therefore feel more lonely and isolated in it, um, which is really interesting. You know, I have a whole chapter on being single in my upcoming book, and I have a whole chapter in relationships. And it was interesting because... When I interviewed people um, for the relationships chapter, a lot of people said, look, the loneliest I've been is in the breakdown of a relationship. Um, And I think it's, you know, it's worth acknowledging that when you're in the right relationship, you you know, that won't feel lonely and that will feel good and that will be something that sustains you. Um, But, you know, you don't need to feel alone when you're outside of it. You have so many other positive social connections in your life. So. Talking of other relationships in our lives, a lot of people will be thinking about friends and family right now because we've got Christmas coming up and obviously we've had a lot of other really important holidays throughout the pandemic too. Can you share some tips on how to embrace this period that probably won't look like it normally does, whether people are spending it alone or even with family, but they they still feel lonely? Look, you know, 
the world will, fingers crossed, be back to normal next year in terms of gathering. And I think that it's important not to get too head up on, you know, the, the fact that things are looking different. I think beyond that, a friend of mine has spent a lot of Christmases alone anyway because she is an expat and doesn't always want to travel on a five-hour plane journey to go and visit her family and she said to me look I have a really great day because I've worked out things that work for me you know I've worked out what I like to cook what I like to do I've you know I've made my sort of festive schedule so I think that whether that's because you're spending Christmas alone or whether that's because you're spending it you know just with your partner or just with one other friend the planning ahead is key that a feeling of anticipation is 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 important if you can make it a positive experience rather than apprehension. Um, I think also, you know, it's important to remember that this is a significant period of time off work. And often, while Christmas is a really wonderful time for many, many people, it can also be a very stressful one, especially if you've got 24 people coming around for dinner and you're trying to cook a whole turkey without poisoning anyone and also coming up with a last minute vegan option. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, I think, and, and so I think, you know, it's, it's saying, okay, this is a one-off, um, the way we're celebrating this year. Maybe I'll start the day with a bath. So I feel more relaxed all day in, you know, from my, you know, very small <sighs> five person celebration. Yeah. Like a Christmas bath. Why not? Luxurious. Yeah. Yeah. Put some, <laughs> put some tinsel around it. Like a, you know, like a sort of a cinnamon bath bum or something. Let's make it a bit more of a restful Christmas this year. And I think, you know, mm. being able to sort of rewrite the rule book and break away from tradition for, you know, for one year is no bad thing because there is opportunity. Obviously, it is coming from something which is disastrous and horrible in so many ways. But I think it's, you know, I think what's also important is to think, look, what can I gain from this change? I love that. It's such a positive way thinking about reframing it. You've given us so many great tips, but before we let you go, we have one final question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what makes you uncomfortable? You know what? I think it's being still. I know that sounds absurd, but a lot of my alonement time, I'll sort of be moving, be walking, you know, be writing. Sitting and being still is something I'm still not quite there yet with. I think Meditate. I'm still one of those people that tries to meditate and gets all fidgety. Um, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I think I, I process my thoughts very well, but something about being still is as if you're sort of absolutely in the state of inertia and you can't, I can't even necessarily process things very well. Maybe that's how my brain works. Maybe I'll work on that. Maybe that's next stage. Yeah. New Year's resolution for next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Francesca, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's been such a great chat. Francesca's book, Alonement, will be published early 2021. Follow her on at Chez Spectre on social media. And that's C-H-E-Z-S-P-E-C-T-E-R. One of the biggest challenges this year in regards to loneliness, I think, has actually been working from home. I live by myself, I'm quite happy in my own company, and usually I have a very busy social and work life to balance that out. But this year, it's all been on the dreaded video calls. And that moment when you log off from the group chat on WhatsApp or video and realize that it's just you, in your head, in your room, in your thoughts, can be a real challenge. I've learned over time that the thing to do is to remind yourself that it isn't just you. Pick up a book, 
pick up a phone and actually talk to someone or just go out for a walk in your neighbourhood and put your feet on the ground and be part of things. I absolutely loved speaking to both of our guests today. There's so much positivity to take away from both of them, particularly with Shani. You know, she's had such a tough time with things and yet she chooses to face it with complete optimism. And I love that. I loved some of the tips that she gave about connecting with people if you're feeling isolated. So looking for like-minded souls, you know, on the internet. And she's created her own network when she couldn't find it herself, which I just think is such a testament to her character and her strength. It is really, really great. One of the other things she said that stood out for me was that stat that two thirds of people avoid speaking to disabled people. That is just shocking that idea and I just think if we're not speaking to people in our community no wonder individuals in our neighborhoods are feeling isolated and how are we meant to know how to help them if we don't ask so that is something that surprised me about today but I think it's something we should talk about more because if we don't then things really really aren't going to change there I loved speaking to Francesca as well she had some great tips on embracing alone time. The biggest one that I took away is just planning ahead because you can't really expect to suddenly have an epiphany and feel great by yourself if you don't usually. I also thought it was really interesting when she was talking about Christmas and just embracing the opportunity to do things a little bit differently this year. And, you know, I think it's a reminder just to use. 2020 is a bit of a reset it has been tough but perhaps some good can can come out of it I do want to say though that on loneliness and isolation there isn't a quick fix you can't necessarily click your fingers and stop feeling lonely overnight particularly if circumstances mean you can't be connected to other people and if you're in that situation I guess the important message is try to reach out to somebody if there is someone in your life that you trust just to say, hey, I'm feeling a bit lonely and being honest about it. But if there isn't someone you can have that conversation with, there are a bunch of charities who can help around this, Google Mind or the Samaritans. And really, I think we should take this as a reminder to us all to just to check in with other people, even if you've got a friend or a family member who is posting jolly things on social media all the time, you never really know what's going on with people behind the scenes. So that's something I'm going to take away from today, just being a bit mindful, saying, how are you and really meaning it and really listening to the answer. And I think if we all do that, then next year could hopefully be a bit better than 2020 because bloody hell, we need it, don't we? That's it for today's episode of Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a lovely review. This was our last episode of 2020, so have a wonderful new year. We'll be back in 2021 with Brogan and we'll be breaking the silence around childbirth and the things that don't get spoken about enough. I'm Rachel Moss and you can find me at Rachel Moss underscore. 
This podcast is produced by Rachel Porter. Our assistant producer is Martha van der Wolf and our sound engineer is Nag Karinde. You've just listened to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Hashtag A-I-M-Y-U.